Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Hi there, Phil here, and welcome to episode 30 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. You can find out more about the podcast by visiting itcareerenergizer.com. And please remember to subscribe to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And now let's chat with today's guest, Steve Smith. Steve is an entrepreneur and software developer with a passion for building quality software as effectively as possible. He provides mentoring and training workshops for teams with the desire to improve. Steve has been recognized as a Microsoft Most Valuable Professional for over 10 consecutive years and is a frequent speaker at software developer conferences and events. So Steve, can I ask you to expand on that brief bio and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, I've been working in the Microsoft developer space uh, pretty much my entire career since the, the late 90s and got into training after starting out as a consultant And so I've been uh, a software trainer, mostly around Microsoft technology like ASP.NET and C Sharp, uh, test-driven development, things like that, for probably 15 years, I'd say, at this point. And that's uh, that's pretty much my my main thing. And then, of course, with the rise of online training and online meetings, uh, I do a lot of remote mentoring and remote uh, workshops and webinars with uh, companies and record courses for companies like Pluralsight, and then I ha- I'm also a co-founder with a new online education company called DevIQ, where I have a, a course out there on ASP.NET Core. Right. That's not one I've come across. Is that quite a new company? It is. It's it's a smaller company. It's uh, me and a, and a couple of other co-founders uh, trying to kind of build something that uh, has some unique advantages in the market. Can you share a unique career tip with the IT career and a Jezza audience? Sure. There, there's a book that was recommended to me. Uh, fairly early in my career that I read, and, and it's I think it's out of print right now, but uh, it's called Horse Sense by uh, the authors Reese and Trout, who are well known for writing marketing books. And the main takeaway from the book is one that I've taken to heart and I think would be um, a good tip for many people in your audience to, to think about. And the idea is that you should find a horse to ride uh, in, in your career. So what does that mean? That means uh, identify someone that you have some connection with or that you could become connected to who is ambitious and rising quickly in their career or headed in the direction that you want to go and see how you can become more involved with them and their projects. It doesn't necessarily have to be an individual. It could be a company or a nonprofit or a cause or an open source project. Uh, any, any one of these things would also fit if you think that it's something that, you know, you being attached to that thing would help propel you in, in the right direction in your career. So in my own case, you know, a little story that goes along with this, um, my first business outside of just being an employee uh, was an online web community that focused on active server pages. Now, I didn't start this uh, community. I, I joined it because I was looking for a place to, to write about ASP and uh, have a place where I could play around with it. And shortly after I, I joined, the owner was looking for someone to provide them with some assistance with managing some of the affairs of the site. And I raised my hand and volunteered, and nobody else did. Uh, so I kind of became put in charge of this site. And not long after that, 
the owner found himself in a position where it made sense for him to transfer ownership of the site to me. He basically sold it to me for the cost of me picking up all of its debts. And that that turned out to, to have big dividends in my career. So from that initial relationship with that site and with that individual, it opened up many doors, including um, being recognized with awards like the, the MVP award from Microsoft, um, being sought by publishers to tech edit books and, and later to author books on, on these technologies. And he had a very strong relationship with some Microsoft product teams like the ASP product team. And through him, I, I was introduced to these teams and have developed those relationships and kept them up for about 20 years now. And those relationships are still very valuable and something that helps me you know, learn, learn more about what's coming down the road from Microsoft and, and occasionally get contract work, writing content uh, and marketing materials and things like that. So it's just it's a good idea if, if you see someone that has momentum and is heading in the direction that you want to go, if you can associate yourself with them in a positive way and become part of their projects and part of really part of their success, right? If you can help make them successful, um, then you become sort of part of their tribe, if you will. And, and a lot of times you can sort of, pardon the cliche, but you can kind of ride their coattails along. And it doesn't have to be a marriage. It doesn't have to be something where you stay with this individual or this company for your entire career. You can get off the ride anytime you want. But it's an effective way to help you know, give you that momentum and that boost, especially early on in your career. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There, there are certainly people you can identify along the way. And as you say, companies as well that you can, you can track or get involved with, which will definitely enhance your career. Okay, could you tell us maybe about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Sure. So obviously anyone that's been in, in, in any career for some time has had successes as well as failures. And I've been kind of a, a serial or, or oftentimes what I call a parallel entrepreneur. Uh, my wife and I have, have run many different companies together and, and I'm blessed with you know having someone as my, as my wife that I also work well with and, and we you know run a bunch of companies together. So in one of these companies, we, we had a, a small consulting company that we later sold, and we were working with a client, and this client was unhappy with the work that one of our employees had, had done. And this was a client with whom I had worked in the past when I was a consultant earlier on in my career, and I'd always had a very good relationship with them. I really looked up to the manager at this client. So when I, just, when I was informed that there was this problem, my natural reaction was to jump in and try and save the day, and I had you know, my technical skills that I could apply to this to try and fix the issues that were technical. I had my past relationship with this client that I could bring to bear and, you know, make sure that, you know, I could leverage the trust that I'd established and, you know, repair the relationship. And so I put a, a lot of time and energy into this over a, a relatively small period of time, just trying to salvage this relationship and salvage this project and make sure the customer was happy and and basically do the right things, Right. And at the end of the day, I wasn't able to pull it off, right? There, I was not able to salvage the, the project or the relationship. And, you know, we, we ended up losing that client and that project. And I felt really awful for having disappointed someone that I honestly admired. And so I, I learned from this experience that, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not perfect, not that I thought I was before that, but more importantly, that you, you can't please everybody all the time, right? Sometimes, you know, despite your best efforts, they're, they're not going to be good enough or, the, the other person is going to have expectations that just aren't reasonable and, and things just aren't going to go your way. And when that happens, the, you know, the only thing you can do is, you know, move on and, you know, take, take whatever you can learn from, 
from that experience, try and make sure that, you know, if it's something organizational uh, in your company that you can, you know, put in place processes and things that'll ensure it doesn't happen again in the future, but accept that, you know, things didn't work out and, and look for the next opportunity to, to succeed with the next client. Is there anything um, in hindsight that you feel perhaps, well, in hindsight you would have done that may have saved that situation? I would have needed to be more involved in that project. And so the, the biggest issue, I think, was that I had more trust in the, in the folks on my team that were doing the work than I should have. And, and it's generally, I'm, I'm very trusting, and, and we generally hire very sharp people that, that do the right thing and do great work. And, and in this case, you know, there, there were some mistakes that were made that I, I know if I had been involved more closely, um, I could have headed off. But by the time I was brought in and, and was made aware of the problems, you know, it was too far, too far along. That's often a tricky one to balance, isn't it, in terms of giving your well, the people who work for you enough responsibility without getting too involved and then being too far away from the detail that you can't control it. Exactly. And it's a tough balance. But if you're going to grow a team, I mean, you have to be able to trust your team. And, you know, one of the, one of the things my wife and I have had as sort of a policy is, uh, you know, if, if you've got someone that you're working with and you don't trust them, why are you working with them? Right. I, I have a, a, a quote that I, I'm not sure where it came from, but that I follow, which is that trust must be given before it can be earned. Right. So even if there's someone that you don't really know a whole lot about, they haven't really had an opportunity to earn your trust. The only way that they can earn your trust is if you trust them with something. And then they're either going to fulfill that trust or they're going to let you down. And so, you know, we we start out from a from an initial basis of trusting our employees once we once we get to the point where we're comfortable hiring them. And, and you know, 99 percent of the time that works out great for everybody. OK, Moving on from your worst memory, can you tell us about your IT career highlight or greatest success and how you're able to achieve it? I think the 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 things that I've had the, the the greatest pride in, honestly, are the the businesses that I've built and, and products that I've built that then I've been able to sell. And so that's more on the entrepreneur side, perhaps, than on the technical side. But I I've really found that to be very rewarding, both you know, the, the, the fun nature of it, of, of building something and, and seeing it grow in value and grow in use and then having someone else come to you and, and say, hey, we, we think this is really valuable too. We'd like to you know, acquire it from you. And then uh, when that happens, you know, I've never had something like uh, Instagram where I've made billions of dollars or anything crazy like that. But but it's certainly it's certainly nice to be able to take a business that you, you put a few years of work into and then have the ability to to sell that and and then continue on making the next business, right? And so you can kind of gain some momentum in your career uh, if you follow that path and if you're able to to do that multiple times, um, you can you can kind of start to build a snowball that you know gets bigger and bigger as it's rolling downhill. Okay, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in general? Oh, I think the future is very bright for for IT in general. Just because there, there's so much stuff that needs to be automated uh, and is headed that direction, there's uh, the, the state of software development, which is my main you know, area and, and window into IT, uh, is, is still very new, uh, very young. There, there's a lot of discipline and practices that just frankly aren't there yet or, or they're not evenly distributed or widespread within the industry. And I see great opportunities for, for that to 
to come about. That's part of why my, my current startup is in the education space for developers, is that I'm trying to, to help get more developers up to the level that they need to be. And there's a great amount of uh, opportunity financially as well, because there, there is this demand. And so the, the average salaries of software developers are, are relatively large compared to most other positions that you could get coming out of college, or even, you know, you could become a software developer without even going to college. You can become a software developer no matter where you live in the world. As long as you have internet access uh, and, and a, a minimal spec computer, you can do this. And so I think that is something that's that's very exciting and, and very enabling for, for folks that, that have the drive and the, um, you know, the, the wherewithal to, to enter this career path. Yeah, I think the accessibility to an IT career course now is probably greater than it's ever been. So I can only see it getting more so as well. Sure. And I'm sure that at some point that won't be all roses, right? Because if there are, uh, you know, a billion new software developers joining in the next 10 years, which I'm not saying there are, but but let's just say that, you know, everybody listening to your podcast, the, the millions of throngs of followers that you have, you know, follow up on, on what I just said and all decide to become software developers, that's probably going to reduce the, the average salary a bit because of the, uh, the amount of people entering the, the industry. But thus far, it's it's been a fairly difficult industry for uh, the a great number of people to join, and so the the growth of of jobs and work continues to outstrip the the numbers of folks joining the industry. Even though for the last twenty some years, the uh, the number of software developers has doubled roughly every five years. Yeah. So it's even though we're growing, you know, at, at that rate, it's still not keeping up with demand. Okay, it's time for the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Oh sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? When I was a, a kid, when I was probably in grade school, we, we had personal computers were, were just becoming a thing. And my dad brought home an Apple IIe. And we would work on that together. And he had a, a subscription to some magazine that would have programs in, in it. And so there'd be like a little article that would talk about what the program did and then a little sidebar with the actual source code. And you would have to type that in from, from the paper in the magazine. Uh, in order to to get this program to run on your computer, and I always found it very exciting to be able to make the computer do what I wanted it to do, and and then I was comfortable with computers and, and working with computers from a young age, and when the internet came around and the World Wide Web, the fact that I was able to instantly publish articles or or applications that the entire world could access instantly was was very exciting as well, and so. Between those things, I, I found computer science and, and a career in, in IT and software to, to be very attractive. I almost didn't go that direction because uh, coming out of high school and, and going into college, my, my degree, my, the, the major that I was headed for, um, was actually physics. But uh, I got a scholarship from the Air Force, and they only wanted me to have a major of either math or computer science, and they weren't really interested in physics. So I thought, well, that's fine. I'll just I'll double major, right? I'll do I'll do physics and computer science. And then by the time I got to my second year in university, the the physics was was getting really really hard, uh, and the computer science was uh, way easier and, and a whole lot more fun. And by that point, I was starting to look at well, what am I going to do after college? And there's not a whole lot you can do with a bachelor's degree in physics. So I was either looking at years and years and years of grad school before I could do anything that that would you know earn a decent living, or I could you know get a, a degree in computer science and immediately go make, you know, good money uh, right out of school. So the rest is history. 
what is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, that, that one's a hard one to answer, but uh, I think what I'll say is I had one of my very first clients. When I, when I graduated from college, I worked at a consulting company, and my first consulting client through that company, um, at the end of the engagement, they, she gave me a book on how to deal with difficult people. And, and I, I thought that was interesting as a gift for me, uh, you know, new in my career, given the company that I'd been working for and, and the different you know, stakeholders in the project that I was working with. I, uh, it was a, so, sort of an ironic gift. But the idea was you know, that the ability to work with difficult people and the, the ability to work effectively on a team of, of people that, that have different personalities and bring different things to the table is super important. And I, and I did read the book, and it had some good tips in it. But the, the main takeaway is that, you know, you, you need to be able to work with different people. You need to be able to, you know, adjust how you interact to best suit that individual. And sometimes they're going to be your peer. Sometimes they're going to be above you uh, or below you. Sometimes they'll be working in another department, but they still have, you know, politically they have in- influence. And you need to be able to navigate all of that in your career and, and you don't necessarily have to be able to do that, right? But, but if you can do that, it will open up many more opportunities for you than if you can't. And if it's not something that you're good at now or interested in now, it is something you can learn, right? There are, there are books and things that you can pick up. And it, unfortunately, it's not something that you're going to take a course on in school probably, right? If you're, if you're getting a college degree, there's not going to be a, a whole college course on how to work with people. But, but you do pick it up secondarily when you're, when you're doing group projects and things, but they, they usually aren't as good as uh, some of the books and things that are out there. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I think one thing that I, that I actually did do would make sense today, and, and I, I mentioned that briefly just a moment ago, which is that when I first got out of college and, and entered the workforce, I, I started out working for a consulting company, and I ended up working there for about five years. And I made that choice very consciously. I, I interviewed with a few other types of companies, but mostly my plan was I'm going to go work for a consulting company. And the reason was I wanted to sample a wide variety of companies and projects and teams and cultures and be able to see how different organizations approached this, this whole notion of building software. Um, and so within the first few years of my career, I, I had a breadth of experience with probably more than half a dozen or so different companies and teams and projects as well as the, the consulting company that I worked for. And I was able to take many of the what I consider to be the best ideas from all of these different places uh, and bring those to bear when eventually I, I ventured out on my own and, and, and later started businesses with, with my wife, Michelle. Now, consulting certainly isn't the only way to do this, but it's probably the, the easiest and, and safest way. And if you were graduating from school right now or trying to, to get into the workforce right now, most of the consulting companies I'm aware of are all hiring. So I think it would be a good time to join a consulting company, and that would give you a good way to quickly get some real-world experience with a bunch of different teams and, and projects that you could then leverage later on in your career. What career objectives are you focusing on right now? At this point in my career, I think my my main passion is for writing high-quality software and by that, I mean software that just doesn't collapse under technical debt after a few years. Yeah. And so I try to work with individual teams to achieve this. And that's what my, my training and mentoring engagements are. Um, I have several great clients at the moment. I have room for a few more. But, but that only scales so far, right? There's only so many hours in a day and so many teams that I can directly interact with. 
So I've also had great experience with online training through companies like Pluralsight and DevIQ. And at DevIQ, our main focus is on improving the online education experience by making the ability for authors to create courses much simpler and easier, and at the same time, helping students to learn faster and retain more by offering more active ways to engage with the content. And so that's that, that learning and, um, and, and teaching of sort of best practices and ways to write better quality software uh, so that the level of quality, the average, let's say, level of quality that uh, we're producing year over year as an industry is going up. And, and I don't know that I personally can make a huge impact on that, but I'm, I'm trying to do my part. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I gave this one some thought, and there, there's a lot of things that I, I could talk about. And I, and I mentioned a few things like being able to work with people and communication skills and things like that. But the, the one I decided I would focus on is writing well and, and writing quickly. And to some extent, that includes typing. So one of the courses I took early on in high school was a, was a typing course. And I don't even know if they still teach typing in, in school and, or in most schools. But if you can't touch type and you can't type quickly and accurately, you're going to type slower. And, and as a software developer, sometimes that matters. But honestly, most of the time, you know, you're not constrained by how fast you can type source code. But you are constrained when you're trying to communicate in other ways, whether it's on Slack or through email or whether you're writing blog posts or magazine articles or documentation. All those things require that you be able to write content or, or just you know, be able to, to write. And it can be a really big differentiator. So writing well is, is great, but it's, it's pretty much expected. So you know, when, when you're communicating with clients or coworkers or peers via typically email, if you don't write well and use proper grammar, it's going to send signals about your professionalism, about your attention to detail, which can oftentimes be you know, equated to your attention to detail when you write software. It could even indicate things to them about your education level or your intelligence. And you don't want to close any doors prematurely because the first impression that someone might have from you is a poorly written email or article. Yeah. But beyond just being able to write, write well and write clearly, the ability to write quickly means that whatever value you are getting from the thing you are writing now has much higher ROI. If someone was going to pay you $500 to write an article of you know, some how-tos or whatever, and, and it takes you 10 hours to do it, then you're making 50 bucks an hour. But if you could write that same quality of content in five hours, now your rate just doubled. And beyond that, you now have five hours that you can spend on something else that you know, over time, that really accumulates and, and you know, compounds to you know, greater and greater things you can do in your career. I totally agree. I think touch typing is a fantastic skill to have, particularly for somebody who works in, in the IT field. Certainly. I, I sometimes do pair programming, and it's it's really hard to let someone to, you know, hunt and peck as the <laughs> keyboard, to, to let them type when I, you know, it's like, can I just yes. have the keyboard? And <laughs> yeah. Okay, done. Can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career Energizer audience? Uh, sure. Um I know one of the things you uh, you suggest is uh, telling folks a way that they can contact me, and because my name is Steve Smith, it's uh, it's tough to to stand out from the crowd. So online, I go by the the name Ardalis, which is A R D A L I S, and so you can find me on Twitter at Ardalis or at ardalis.com. I have a uh, a weekly developer tips newsletter uh, that goes out every Wednesday, and also I just started a podcast that's the the same topic. So and it's at weeklydevtips.com. Um, or you can find it in your, your podcast software. And they're not the same every week. So there's there's an email and then there's separately there's this this podcast that's only, you know, five to ten minutes long of just some little tip each week. 
And so I'd love to uh, connect with some of your listeners if they're interested and, you know, they can find me there. Anyone that's looking to get into uh, ASP.NET Core, which is the, the newest uh, version of Microsoft's web framework, I'd be happy to give your listeners a 20% discount off my ASP.NET Core Quick Start course. Just use the, uh, the coupon code ITCareerEnergizer, uh, let's say by the end of 2017, um, and they can visit ASP.NETCoreQuickStart.com to get started. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Steve. That's great. Steve, thank you so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great talking with you. Thanks. I was glad to be here. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's great interview with Steve Smith. Full show notes can be found on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e30. In next week's episode, I'll be talking with Rob Connery, author of The Imposter's Handbook, which is a compendium of skills and concepts for any self-taught programmer. And if you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.